You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien, and I am here today with Lisa Moskovitz. She is a dietitian, registered dietitian out of New York. She is an author. She sees patients. She does all the things, and we are going to talk about all your questions about like fad diets, sustainable weight loss, and all that today. I'm so excited. So Lisa, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and talk about all things nutrition and debunking some myths and it's uh, something that I know I, I deal with a lot with in my practice. So yeah, excited. it's like the wild west on the internet. And <laughs> so that's why I love talking to dietitians specifically because you guys have so much training and education. And I mean, you're, you're a medical professional and it's just a different level of, of knowledge. Um, so kind of one thing I just, I wanted to start with is I, I love this question. Like what is the weirdest or like the worst diet trend thing that you're seeing right now that just makes me like so sad. Oh, gosh, where, where, where does it end? Where does it start? I mean, there's, there's so many trends that come and go, but I, I still see a lot of people who get these pieces of information on the internet and social media and, um, and, and it, and it's presented in a way that's so, compelling and convincing and really can make people feel like, okay, this is the answer. This is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I still see a lot of people doing intermittent fasting, which I wouldn't say is a horrible trend, but it's something that I, I, I don't recommend to most of my clients. I still see people doing a lot of these very, very low carb diets where they're cutting out even fruit and starchy like vegetables. Keto? like keto ish. Yes. Like, like they don't want to call it keto because that sounds too taboo or something, or like they're part of a cult, but it, it, it's still, (laughs) I'm still noticing that a lot. And, um, a lot of people are still doing the gluten dairy free, which isn't again, a bad thing. And there are certainly people who benefit from, from may benefit from, even reducing it, they don't necessarily need to eliminate it, but they're mm-hmm. just eliminating it without doing research, without really testing the water, like seeing how they react individually and just assuming that they should cut it out too. And because this person is, and that doctor said that it's bad for me and it's going to destroy my gut lining and it's going to lead to leaky gut. And it's the reason that I have PCOS or acne or so a lot of people just, just hear these things and it's hard to not internalize it. It's hard to hear these ideas that we hear all the time and not internalize it as this rock solid truth or, you know, something that is, that you have to do too, that you have to live by. So those are a lot of the trends that I, I still notice all the time. Um, and it's something that it, it's not like it, it does make the job a little harder, but it's not like it's impossible. It's just, Hey, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to discuss because people do get so overwhelmed with nutrition and they do get so confused by everything and they do lose track of what is going to work for me. 
-hmm. what is really healthy for me and what's going to be sustainable. And they just lose complete sight of that. And it's like, well, what do I have to do right now to get the most results ever and get the fastest, you know, lose weight the fastest or feel better the fastest. And it just doesn't work. You can't cut corners and it can't be this, this sprint and this race because, um, those are the things that usually don't last that long. Yeah. I was going to say what, why is it that these diets aren't sustainable for people? There's a lot of reasons why, and 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 it's not like all diets are not sustainable or unsustainable. There there, but many are, and there's there's different reasons for that. One is that it, they're not typically personalized. There, it's usually one size fits all. Someone mm-hmm. who's 300 pounds and and very active is getting the same exact diet prescription as somebody who's 110 pounds and sedentary. So mm-hmm. we have to respect bioindividuality. And unfortunately, with many diets, they're not respected unless you're getting some more individualized, personalized approach, a plan, meeting with a professional who can give you that is really important, but that many people can't afford to do that or they don't have access to somebody or they don't know anybody and they don't, you know, so, or they've seen a dietitian even, um, or a nutritionist, which by the way, all dietitians are nutritionists, not all nutritionists are dietitians. So just have to put that out there. Cause that's a big, oh, okay. um, yeah. confusion. Um, and so like, and, and maybe they just don't get, don't feel like the plan they get is working for them. So they go a different route and then they go back to the internet and find these, again, these one size. And some people really just constantly cycle, on and off diets. I call them like cereal dieters because mm-hmm. every diet that fails, you kind of feel bad, you gain the weight back and then you feel like, all right, I need to go back on another diet. And the other, the, and, and then just keep, you keep going around and around. And then what happens as a result is it also can affect your relationship with food. And that's what I also think is the big issue and why a lot of these diets fail is it disconnects you from your body. You stop being able to, uh, identify and listen and even understand what hunger and fullness looks like. Mm -hmm. And you only eat when it's time to eat according to this plan or according to the rules that you heard about, or this list of, you know, do's and don'ts. Um, and then you start to lose track of when to stop eating. And then it's really hard to know when to put the fork down. And then that it can lead to eating more than you need to. It can lead to eating less than you need to. And either way, it doesn't, it doesn't end very well. So this, this disconnect and then these, these rules and these labels and these ideas can really lead to the all or nothing, the all or nothing where it's like, I'm all on the diet, I'm doing it all, doing all the things I'm exercising, I'm meal prepping, I'm journaling, I'm doing my water every day. And then Obviously, you can't not and no one can keep up with all of that all the time when you right. have other responsibilities life, and things yeah. in life. So then you do one thing that's not part of the plan, and then you feel bad for doing that one thing, and then it doom spirals. And you're like, "Well, oh, I already did this. I might as well keep going." And then you're all of a sudden completely off. And it's not like you can't go back to what you were doing be, from a behavioral standpoint, but your mentality is really hard to reel in again. It's the mentality that you're, that's the hardest part of the all or nothing is like you, once you're in that mindset of I'm not doing anything I'm supposed to do and you're feeling bad about it, it's really Mm -hmm. hard to go back to feeling empowered and motivated and inspired and good and confident. And so that's the, the, the pattern that I see. And that 
unfortunately is often the side effect and the byproduct of dieting and why a lot of them don't work very, very long. So, you know, what I always tell people too is, look, I don't, you know, go on as many diets as you want to. Even if they fail, you hopefully, the only thing that matters is that you learn something from it and you figure Mm -hmm. out what doesn't work. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, the only way to know what's going to work is to first know what's not going to work. And so experiencing this for yourself might be the only way that you figure that out. And maybe you do pick up things along the way. Maybe you do learn more about what's in the food you're eating and how your body is reacting to it. But it, it has to be, you have to make sure that you're focusing on how you're reacting to it and what's going to work for you and what's sustainable. And then the other part of it is that when you say you do go on the diet and you're eating less and losing weight and, you know, as most people do, not everyone, some people don't lose weight that easily, but if you are losing weight from the diet, eventually your metabolism is going to slow down through a process Mm -hmm. called adaptive thermogenesis. And so eventually your body's going to be burning less calories, which means that your calorie deficit or the amount of calories that you need to eat to create a calorie deficit is also going to change. And so maybe that diet worked for a little while, but it's going to stop working. And then you're going to have to cut out more or exercise more or make other changes or accept that maybe this is it for you and your body's going to stay the same, which could be very hard for people and make them feel discouraged and defeated and frustrated. And then that's also why they stop following the plan because they're like, I haven't lost weight in three days. (laughs) Some people literally weigh themselves every day. And if they're not seeing movement every day, then they get frustrated, which is why I also say to not depend on the scale so much because it's not so accurate all the time. Anyway, and then that's another reason why a lot of people find that they they don't work. And then instead of saying, you know, the diet didn't work for me, which, you know, sometimes it's not the diet. Sometimes it is us and the person doing it and they're not really committed and they're not really making the changes and not ready to do it. But a lot of times it's, it is the diet that failed. It's the diet wasn't a good fit for you. There is other ways, there is other approaches and you so-called failing the diet is actually your body's way of saying this wasn't good for me and I need mm-hmm. to find a healthier approach. And it was, it's a good, it's a protection. And I, I, I feel like too, you know, we're, we've talked about diets now and for a few minutes and people are like, probably like, wait, why are we talking about dieting? I thought we weren't dieting anymore. And I thought, you know, we're body positivity. And, and I feel like we've, what's happened is we came out of kind of the eighties and nineties diet culture that was just rampant everywhere. You know, you think about like tab and fin fin, just all this yeah. shenanigans that so many people diet, everything and sugar free yeah, and everything, yep. sugar free, everything. What was the, um, snack wells, the little, uh-huh. Devil right. Suit. Oh my gosh. Like everything so came so in hundred calorie packs and all that. So, yeah. you know, yes, we've learned that we do need to get away from that and that's not healthy, but then we've swung so far the other way that I, I feel like we kind of for a little while stopped talking about the fact that excess weight is a high, you know, a risk factor yeah. high up on the list for so many medical problems. So many different cancer risks come from it. You know, that excess adipose tissue really, it, it, causes a, it can, can cause a whole host of, of problems. I mean, just because someone has extra weight does not mean that they necessarily have those problems, but they, they do have the, they do have risks and we know that. So I feel like it would be helpful. You know, it's helpful for people to hear 
if you do need to go on a, I don't even want to call it like a diet. Like what, what do you put people on or, or what do you even call it? Like when someone yeah. comes to you and they're like, Hey, I've got, I really, <laughs> my doctor said I need to lose 40 pounds. Okay. Well, I'm not going to put you on a diet per se, but I am going to change yeah, you your could just diet. Say like, yeah. Let's just, let's just, let's just work on your eating habits. Let's put you on even like an eating plan. I feel like is less, um, harsh Mm -hmm. and doesn't necessarily imply restriction, punishment stuff. There is a lot of negative connotation around diet, which by the way, diet could also just mean what you're eating. Like the word diet. diet, Yeah. It doesn't have to be a diet. Literally four different definitions of it. So diet people just automatically assume I'm going to have to go on it. Meaning like the diet means I'm eating less. I'm restricting. I'm trying to lose weight. So even though it's, we could say, let's go, let's just, let's start you on a diet and let's just work on what you're eating. Um, it's not really necessarily about that, but I think eating plan sounds more approachable. Mm-hmm. It sounds less, um, stressful. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people just hearing the word diet is very triggering for people. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because of what we've seen and where we've gone and where we are now and what people know, it's become this toxic word. And so, which is fine, you know, and, and listen, everyone's got to own their triggers. We're not going to tiptoe around it. And like you said, we can't ignore the fact that -hmm. there are people that benefit from losing weight and that for them, when they lose weight, they do feel better. They have more energy. Their cholesterol comes down. Their blood sugar comes down. Their arthritis is better and their back pain goes away and they're sleeping better and less sleep apnea. And all of these things can get better with weight loss. But then there are also times where a doctor might say, okay, you have all these issues, just lose weight. And a lot of these things will get better. And it's not true. you know. So it really has to be this very personalized thing. And I don't think that we can say that every person benefits from weight loss. And that's really where the problem comes from, or at least started is that obesity epidemic in America and the States is uh, is still getting worse. Um, and because of that, we like kind of group and lump everybody together and like treat everybody as if they are, uneducated, uninformed and obese. And like, that's where a lot of like issues started because people were taking that and hearing sugar is bad for you and refined carbs are bad for you and fruit is bad for you. And all these things are bad. And then all of a sudden now we have people who are scared of eating fruit and have no reason to be, and nobody should be scared of eating fruit, but are scared of eating like whole grain bread because it's going to make them obese. And it's not true. So that's what the issue is, is that I think we started to sort of like, it just became this, this, um, like fear mongering and as an an attempt to reduce costs of the obesity epidemic. And then the aftermath was that people were having more issues with food and it wasn't helping basically. And it obviously hasn't helped because we still have issues in the, in the world, but there are definitely people who, who, can benefit and shouldn't feel bad if they want to lose weight. Even if you aren't obese and you say, you know, if you're, let's say like your BMI is in a healthy range, which is how we diet. We say obesity is just your BMI is over 30, but let's just say you have what you think like, you know, a healthy weight range. You've never been told to lose weight. Your doctor tells you healthy, like who really knows what a healthy weight is. I, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> right. but you still feel like I want to lose five pounds. I feel like I would feel better. I would have more confidence. I my my jeans would, wouldn't be so tight. I would feel better in a bathing suit. 
I just have always been a little lower and this isn't me. That's okay too. And I think people are starting to feel bad about that. Um, and so I think it's just like, either way we can't make it where like, this is the way to be, or that's the way to be. It doesn't have to be like anti-diet. It doesn't have to be everybody's obese and needs to lose weight. There are, there is a happy medium where you can, uh, feel better in your body and be healthy and work on your relationship with food and lose weight or not lose weight. And that is very possible. And it's possible to work on your relationship with food while trying to lose weight. Like you don't have to necessarily pick a side, which is part of what I preach all the time is that it it's, it's become so polarizing in the industry. Supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now. So how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorn has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash you slash dabbleco and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm Dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash you, like the letter U, slash Dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. It, it really is. And I, I mean, I can just imagine you're trying to, like, say you are a person that does want to lose some weight and you're trying to figure out the right way to do that. And it's just like the internet is so, every everything's so dogmatic, right? It's like either diets are the worst thing that's ever happened or, you know, you need to be on this one specific diet or, and everything else is garbage. And it's, it's got to be so confusing for patients. So as you were talking, I was wondering, you know, okay, I know you're helping people basically create better habits. Like what, what are some kind of tools that you give people other than, because then probably I'm assuming here. So totally be like, you're totally wrong, but they meet with you for a certain amount of time, not forever. And you give them their, their eating plan, which may or may not include, you know, less, less calories, maybe more calories for people, some people, I don't know. But then how do you set people up to fly on their own? And how, so how would someone at home kind of, if you're helping people create these habits for sustainable, you know, weight loss, if, if that's what their goal is, what, what, what does that look like? hundred percent. Yeah. So it is, um, usually what I, what I, what we start off with is we always start off with some kind of plan. We always, even if someone says, I think I eat pretty healthy and they'll even walk me mm-hmm. through a day and it's like, it, it, you know, they might have all, all of the, the basics and check off all the boxes. It's balanced. There's variety. They're not restricting. They're not, they don't seem to be eating more than what they, they need. It often helps to just have that plan that can kind of take precedence over other things that you can see in here. And that's a lot of times why they're coming in. They're like, I'm just so overwhelmed and sick of hearing do this or Mm -hmm. do that. I just need something on paper just built for me and planned out for me. And so we usually start with some kind of basic meal plan. 
we definitely touch upon the relationship with food stuff, with ha- which happens naturally. We'll, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, I was, follow- I was trying to kind of do all the things and follow the things, but then I notice I'm doing a lot of mindless eating here. Or I'm doing a lot of stress eating here, or um, I ate this like cookie. And then like I was talking about before, it kind of um, unraveled. And I feel like I just completely went off the plan. And so starting off with the plan is just that foundation and that, that, um, baseline that we can, we can use and then build it from there and see how they respond to that. And then the issues will come up. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that plan can be again, triggering for people. It's like, okay, they're, I'm telling them here's what to eat. And I say, look, that those triggers are often really helpful actually, because that's where we know the work is like food can be very personal and very emotional and very, Mm -hmm. um, stressful, for people. And so, but it's important to work through that and say, okay, it's a lot of times it's not about the food. It's about other stuff around the food. So it kind of gives us that opening to do that. It's the gateway into, into making more of these, uh, permanent behavioral changes. So we can start off with the plan, giving them a few tools like, okay, let's maybe start with journaling too. Like here's a plan. So, you know, you have an idea of what to focus on. And it's a starter plan, meaning this can change over time and absolutely will change over time. And while you're doing the best you can to use this as a guide, not a rule book, but a guide, you're going to journal, you're going to talk about how you feel with the food, your hunger and fullness, why you're eating, where you're eating. And then we're going to start to make more changes as we go. And that's usually how it works when people come in one-on-one is they are kind of working through things that they wouldn't normally work through. And they're getting to work on changing their thoughts and perspective around eating and meals at the same time. Hmm. Okay. That's super interesting. And do you talk to them about exercise or do you have other like members of your team that helps you kind of decide that or everybody's different in terms of how much detail they'll get into with exercise. Personally, Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable giving some exercise recommendations. I actually Uh didn't, haven't renewed it, but I used to have my, um, used to be a personal, I have like a personal trainer. I took like the exam and all Uh that stuff. Um, I never actually used it, but I had the certification. And so I, know a little, a lot about exercise. I do research on it. And I do think it tends to go hand in hand. Like it just comes up, especially if you're working Mm -hmm. with people on weight loss, you should know a little bit about how exercise affects people's food choices and how food affects people's exercise response and, and sports nutrition. I definitely specialized when I first started in private practice, I was doing a lot of sports nutrition. And then I sort of, um, it just like evolved into more weight loss and disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, so I definitely get into it. I do believe in the benefit of strength training. And I I know that so many people are either scared of doing it. They overlook it. They don't see the importance of it. They're, they're afraid to do it. They think, especially women, they think they're going to bulk up and become like manly when they build muscle, which is so not true at all. Unless you're taking steroids, that's not going to happen. Um, so I definitely get into the exercise. I don't believe in excessive exercise. I do think that people that over that exercise more than let's say three to four hours per week, it does stress their body out. 
they're, um, they tend to not be doing it for the, always the best reasons, unless they're training for some kind of event. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're doing that to lose weight, I don't see that being a good thing. In fact, what I've experienced and observed in my over now, like 13, 14 years of working in private practice is people who do more than three, four days a week usually struggle with their weight more, or they're more Mm. anxious around food, or they're exercising for not the healthiest reasons. Like they're trying to control intake. They're doing it as a punishment or compensation or, um, and then they sometimes feel hungrier and sometimes don't. Not everybody feels hungrier with the exercise. So I usually say like three hours per week. I do have a whole section actually in my book, the core three healthy eating plan on exercise and what I recommend and how that can affect eating and how you can adjust eating if you exercise more, but eating, but exercising should be a a means of improving mental health before you even focus on physical appearance. So that's what makes the difference. If you're exercising for physical appearance, I do think it's very easy to get into an unhealthy, destructive relationship with exercise, whether either you're like doing too much or not wanting to do any at all. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think if you look at it as a way to improve mental health and mood and stress and sleep, then I think you, it's much easier to see the reward and keep going Mm -hmm. with it and have a much healthier relationship with it. Y'all, let me tell you about my absolute favorite home store of all time, Celadon. So they have everything from dinnerware to pillows, furniture, they even have jewelry. And yes, it's located in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, but their website has everything you could possibly need and they ship anywhere. So Celadon has like a laid back but curated vibe and no joke, almost every piece of furniture in our home has come from Celadon. So if you're in Charleston, definitely stop by or visit them online at celadonathome.com. And because they are awesome, they gave me a 20% discount code. So check them out and use code DABBLECO20 for 20% off. That's celadonathome.com. So it's so interesting. Okay, I go to the gym on my normal weeks. We'll just call it like a normal week. I go to the gym five days a week. And I was talking to my friend last week. I For some reason, I don't know what, neither one of us, it was like I couldn't go to the gym that day. And I was telling her, I, I was like, I literally, if I don't stay in my routine, and part of my routine is like drive my kid off at either seven or eight, whatever time. And then go like straight there. I ha- I pack like four bags. I'm like, here's my laptop. Here's my work clothes. And like here, I sometimes I'm take my lunch. I pack like seven bags to get out of the house. But it's like, if I don't stay in that routine, I, it's like, I'm wandering around. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, and it, do- it keeps know. you in your routine. Yes. And, and it does help. And sometimes I will even say to people, especially people who don't have a lot of routine, people who either don't have the typical traditional nine, like nine to, I don't even know if nine to five exists anymore, but like, let's say like nine to six or seven job, um, or work right. from home or more entrepreneurs and set their own hours. They work for themselves. or so they're just you know, moms and parents above all else. Then for them, I do think that that exercise can really help with the routine and set the tone for the day and set the intentions. So it's That's fine it for me because yeah. I, I have to set my own schedule and I'm, I, I, it's like, I have no, it sets my tone and intention for the day. i totally yes. resonate with that because otherwise I, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do right. today. It's, 
And I wouldn't, I would never say to somebody, you're exercising five times a week. That's bad. You need to stop. It would be more like someone coming in and saying, um, you know, I really struggle with body image. I really struggle with my eating habits and, you know, trying to lose weight and I'm exercising like one to two, like some people do like two a days, but like, you know, five times, five times a week is not like excessive, but like some people literally do six, seven, and then they sometimes go twice a day. So I look at it as the whole per everyone's very different and that's why. And that goes kind of goes back to what I was saying before is that there are no two people that are the same and it's not necessarily what you're doing. It's why you're doing it. Why are you exercising? Like why what is, exactly. Okay. Why are you eating that salad? Are you eating that salad because it's the safest, lowest calorie thing on the menu and you think that, okay, it's the only thing that won't make me fat or gain weight or, or is it because you're like, that salad looks really good. I could use more vegetables. And that looks really enjoyable. And I'm going to order because I want to eat it. It's very different. You could eat the same exact way, but one person can have an unhealthy view of food, an unhealthy diet, and the other person can have a healthy diet just because of the why, just because of why they're Mm -hmm. making those choices. And that's really important because if you're doing it based off of what your body is telling you and you're feeling good about it and you feel good when you leave the gym and you feel good after you eat the salad. And it's not like though attached to moral virtue. It's not like I'm a good person because I eat the salad. I'm a good person because I exercise today, but just like, I feel good. My, I feel grounded, you know, and probably for you, it's like a grounding thing, like going to the gym. It, it relieves the stress. It gets your mind right. You have the, the day feels like it's organized. You feel productive. Mm-hmm. that's fine. You know, and it's, and sometimes there is a very thin line and threshold between like what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And sometimes it is hard to know when you've crossed it. And that's where like, again, you know, the why comes in. And then we ask mm-hmm. ourselves that, you know, is, is most of the reason you're doing that for those reasons? And because you want to you feel, it makes you feel good and it, you know, makes you feel productive and, um, and you just enjoy it and you have energy and you like it. Or is it because you have to do it and because you ate a lot the d- day before and because you're not feeling good and you want to punish yourself and you, you know, so th- those are just the questions to ask yourself and self-reflect on to make sure that it's still a very, it's a healthy habit for you. Yeah. It's like The Bachelor. You want to be doing it for the right reasons. <laughs> exactly. I literally just watched an episode today. That's so funny. Like literally that. Oh, yeah. I used to love The Bachelor. I, I feel like. I know. It's really just know. garbage show. We just, I just, it's well, like a guilty pleasure. So many, there are so many different ones. I'm like, I don't have this kind of time in my life. And then they went to two hour episodes and who has time for, for that? Nobody. Like, that's just a lot. But nobody. I will say just to kind of go back to what we're talking about, for me, when I, when I go to the gym, I almost like some people are like, it's hard to motivate to go to the gym. I don't enjoy it. What I do is I actually let myself watch my garbage TV when I'm at the gym. I, not everyone can do that, but I could be the person that's like jogging while I'm watching TV. So I combine it. So I like feel like I could have my, you know, guilty pleasure TV. And then also like I'm, I'm exercising and walk away and I just feel like I won on both ends. Yeah. So that's so smart. I love that. See, and we're not saying reality TV is good or bad. We're not assigning a, no. a morality. We're not judging. Guys. We're just, yeah. We can do two things at once. But literally okay. I, I'm the person that watches it. So I can't judge. Yeah. I can't, I have to have music on her. I'm just so now, and like someone has to be like yelling at me or something for yep. me to get things done. Exactly. Um, okay. I would love to talk about food morality with you and get like your thoughts on kind of, kind of same, same concept. Yeah as what we were talking about earlier with just the dieting and weight loss. And it's almost become like this super negative thing to even talk about it at all. But with 
you know, food being clean or healthy or whatever these terms that came in several years ago and kind of assigned morality to, to food groups and, you know, made them good or bad. And so the pendulum swung and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to be organic and eat clean, whatever. No one even knows what that means. But now it's, people are kind of swinging it the other way. And we, we're in this conversation of like all food is good food. And like, I, yeah. I get it, but I, I would love to hear you just kind of talk about what, like what those kind of two sides or terms or whatever mean to you. And, and how do you talk to your patients about that? I talk to my patients based on how much I know my patients, based on how much I know their background, based on how much I know they're going to, how they're going to, I try to understand them before I even jump in and give them any advice because I want to make sure that what I'm saying will be received well, helpful for them and not make things worse. Because unfortunately, a lot of times, even though dietitians are the experts of nutrition, we can be part of the problem too. And people can come to us and trust us and trust in us and, and they're coming to listen and learn. And we have to be very careful how we present things because for somebody they're like, you know, and I have the patients that come in, they're like, no, literally just like, give me a list of like, eat this and then don't eat this. Give me a good list and a bad list. And like, you know, and that serves them and it works for them and they feel better knowing that. And they can eat foods on the, on the, bad list and not feel bad and not have it turn into like a binge or, um, just, you know, that just kind of like un- unraveling and spiraling and, it, and not feel mm-hmm. like a bad person. But this is the issue when we say things are good and bad is that you can't say that one food is good for everybody. And you can't say that one food is bad for everybody because there are people who, for example, and I know I'm using a very extreme example, but just to kind of highlight my and, and illustrate my point well, with celiac, you know, who they cannot yeah. eat gluten. Gluten is really bad for them. It's very dangerous. Like they could get, right. if they don't follow a, a gluten-free diet, they could get cancer in really extreme cases. So now other people have no issue with gluten. They could eat gluten. And for them having a sprouted grain bread with avocado and a cage-free free range organic egg in the morning is a very nutritious breakfast. Why should they be made to feel like that's bad because it's bread and it's gluten? So again, I'm using an extreme example, but that is why we have to be very careful and about labeling food because there are unfortunately a lot of people out there who hear things and it really internalize it really mm-hmm. internalize it to the point where they cannot ever get over this thing that they heard when they were on this diet plan. And there's a lot of diets where I've had clients come in and I'm saying this from my experience. I'm privy to a lot of people's experience with diets. I've seen a lot over my, my course of 15 years and I'm in New York city and not that that means it's like any different than, but there's a lot of people here who are very health conscious, very weight conscious uh, very in the know. And so they come in with all these ideas and there's a lot of times that they come in and they'll say, I'll ask them about their experience. They'll say, you know, I tried this diet and that diet. And they'll say like, and I still having issues. 
Like I still, like I, I, you know, I, I, and I could see it even in the way they're eating, like their eating has become so whittled down to like nothing because they were told not to eat this on that diet and not to eat this on Mm -hmm. that diet and not to eat this on that diet to the point where they're like, I'm not eating anything or I don't know what to eat. So I'm eating everything. You know, it's like, there's just, it's just like a giant mess. So that's why we have to be very careful with the labeling. And then it also is very hard for people to not attach that to their self-worth. Like they become a bad person for eating a bad food. So there's a lot of different issues with it. And I'm not saying like we should be teaching people and telling people that, they could eat whatever they want for any reason. And that's not even like what intuitive eating is about, which is what a big part of the anti-diet movement is. It's around intuitive Mm -hmm. eating is a big part of that, at least. That's not even what intuitive eating is either. It's not like eat whatever you want for any reason and you shouldn't feel bad about it. You shouldn't care, you know, and screw Mm -hmm. everybody else and screw all of the research and all the doctors who tell you otherwise. That's not what it's supposed to be at the very least. Sometimes it does become that, but that's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, know what you're getting in your body, try to eat balanced and nutritiously, but you have to make room for foods that you enjoy. You have to be able to go out and eat pizza with your kids and not feel like you blew it and you had the worst food in the world. And you have to be able to go out and have, you know, dessert on holidays and not feel like super guilty about it for days later. That's what I'm talking about at the very least when I say, you know, why, why I don't like labeling foods as good and bad. And again, it's mostly coming from not me just jumping on the bandwagon. It's not like, oh yes, here's this anti-diet parade and like they're so big and strong and they, you know, are popular. Let's just jump on the bandwagon, which some people do. They're just like, they see this trending thing. They see this marketable thing. And this is like what everybody wants. So let's just give the people what they want. I'm jump. I've been, I talk about it because I see it. I see how people are. I see what affects people when they come into my office and they tell me what's going on. And sometimes it does end in tears because they're so distraught and upset and their self-esteem is in the toilet because they've been trying for so long to lose weight and feel better and they just can't. So I've seen that. And then now I've also seen the effects of anti-diet where some people are like, I felt horrible that I ordered a salad when all of my friends were eating, you know, pasta. I felt like I was like, this horrible person that I wanted to eat a salad because I'm being too diety. I just made up that word. I don't think they're not going to say I'm just making up diety, but like I'm being, too, yes, I'm being this out. Like now I'm the outlier and I'm, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think, I think like sometimes they both can be so extreme and there could be like yeah. almost like right. too many they, rules they in either can. corner. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, it's like the kind of the example in the beginning about excess weight and you know, <sighs> if you look at everything in a vacuum, I mean, sure. If all you're eating is, is pepperoni bad? No, but it, it does carry a risk. Like if you're eating a ton of pepperoni, it's a processed meat. Correct. It's a red meat. Yep. We know that it has risk. It is is fat and has been shown to it's correlated with, let's say pick colon cancer. Um, and so, you know, but it's like, we've lost the sense of nuance, like yeah. we just now it's correct. Black and white. Yep. Yeah, black, black or white. And it's just so, it's so interesting. I think it's really confusing for people. And I'm, I'm really intrigued about what kind of the next stage is going to be. You know, we swung like eighties, nineties diet culture 
And then you've got the kind of 2010s, 2020s of like anti-diet, yeah. anti-eating, but there's also the, just, it's, and there's still people who are, who are, you know, in the diet culture and there's still people who are yeah. like not going to bend and they're still going to be like, you know, no, there, there are bad foods and people need to know that. And, you know, and I guess like for me, and I'll be honest, it could, I could be a little, when I speak about things, you know, I speak about it from experience and I'm in, again, New York city. And there's a lot of people who are very educated specifically on diets and nutrition here. Um, and so they know, I know they know. So I don't have to sit there and be like, pepperoni is not going to be good for your health in the long run. If you eat a lot of pepperoni, they're going to be like, thank you. You know, I, I know, but that's not the issue. So I think for me in my practice, I've just noticed that more people, more people lately know all of these things. Like it's reverberated. It's been told they've been hurt. They've heard it. Now there are people still here and other places that don't, that still benefit from be getting, you know, learning more, um, getting more education, getting more awareness. But I think a lot of times when I hear people speak in the media who have big platforms are very public about it. I feel like they say things as if everyone's dumb. Like they mm. speak to people as if like nobody knows any better and it okay. comes off condescending, like, like don't eat added sugar. It's bad for you. It's like people probably know that if they're eating a lot of candy and like, yes, maybe like it helps like to know like where, best. yeah, like they, they can maybe yeah. help to know where it's hidden. Like some, not everybody knows that it's like hidden in salad dressings and hidden in protein bars and hidden in foods that they like think, you know, that they probably look at as like, this is a safe option, even though it doesn't have to be like a safe, unsafe thing. So that kind of stuff can be helpful. But I, 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 when I hear stuff like that, it just makes me cringe. Cause I'm like, they're just assuming that everyone's dumb. And then all that it's doing is it's like creating more fear around it. And then what happens when people are afraid they restrict or they get stressed and then they just like, and then the binges happen. And then they just like, eat. Mm -hmm. whoopsie, my mic fell off because I was so passionate about that. But like they <laughs> end up like overeating it. So it just, it's not help. That's, and that's why it's like, it just, I just don't see it helping. I haven't seen it help. Put it that way. I haven't yes. seen that it helped anyone to look at food in such a dichotomous way. Um, and it doesn't need to be. And there might be people that it does. There are people listening to this. They're like, no, well, it did help me. And this diet helped me. And I have a rule list and a playbook and a don't eat this and eat that and a list on my fridge. And that's great. And that's I'm, I'm so happy. And I hope that people can find something that works for them. And I'm not saying that like, what I'm saying is applies to every single person out there, but I just feel like there's a better way to help people and telling people like what I usually say, like if you said, okay, well, what's something that people can do to eat healthier? That's not so extreme. And I would just say, focus on what to add in, just focus on what you could eat more of instead of thinking about all the bad things to cut out of your diet. Are you eating enough vegetables? Are you getting enough protein? Are you getting enough fiber? Are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough exercise? You know, those are things that you can add into your life. And then what happens is when you focus on it that way, it naturally crowds out the other things. And then you usually feel more full and your blood sugar is more stable and you're getting all the nutrients you need for proper digestion, metabolism, gut health, mental health, and so, and energy. And so then that will probably lead to less cravings and less 
feeling like you need to eat for, for other reasons. So it's like, it's just this healthier, more positive way to look at it as opposed to the don't eat this, this is bad for you, red flag, you know, approach. So that's what I think needs to be the way to do it. And, and helping people give them ideas of what they could actually do. A lot of our clients come from doctor's offices and the doc, and they'll come to us and say, my doctor told me to cut out fat. I have high cholesterol. And that's all they said. Lose weight, cut out fat. It's like, you know, fine, but that's so reductive and very problematic for some people. I actually had an eating disorder client that was told that to cut out fat and lose weight. She definitely didn't need to lose weight and she barely ate fat. Like she was afraid of eating fat and she had high cholesterol because actually anorexia can cause high cholesterol too. So it's, yes. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, and I'm not blaming doctors. They're very busy. They see multiple, they see so many people in a day and they can't sit there and say, here's some meat recipes and here's some tips and try this food journaling right. app and try, they just don't have time for that. Let's get to the root of this. Like, no, yeah, it's, it's hard. You it's just like, 12 minutes. yeah, exactly. If you're lucky, you're lucky if you get 12 minutes. So yeah, it's like true. here and they give, and that's also the issue is that, you know, it's not like helpful to say that. To, I don't know who's like, you know, and there are people that are like, okay, it scared me. And I really, you know, but most people, that's not really helpful information that they can take that and do instead of saying, okay, why don't you try, you know, I really recommend increasing strength training. You have osteoporosis or osteopenia. I really recommend like strength training. Why don't you start off with like adding in 20 minutes and try this, you know, getting more calcium in your diet and eating more protein, you know? So it's just, it's not always presented in that way where people could feel empowered and say, all right, this is what I can do. This is what I, I could focus on habits and behaviors. Instead, it's more like numbers, chart, your BMI, you're obese, your BMI is 35, we need to get down to 25 and your weight is this, we need to get in your cholesterol is 200 and we need to get down to 120. Like that's not going to help mm-hmm. someone, especially someone who has, is more anxious, more, um, you know, has poor body image, has issues with food, like, you know, maybe was told they need to lose weight all their life. And now the doctor is telling them they need to again. It's like, well, thank you. I already know I need to lose weight. I've tell myself that all the time. I don't need you to tell me that too. I could say, you know, so that's also part of it. So hopefully that'll get better. (laughs) It has to. So tell people about your book, what your book is called and where they can find it and find you. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, it's called the core three healthy eating plan. And it, I did write it as an attempt to bridge the gap actually between anti-diet and diet culture, between wanting to lose weight, but also wanting to improve relationship with food. It also is supposed to be a little bit more personalized than what many people can get from a, a book, an eating plan, a weight loss plan. So it does give you a formula to figure out what to aim for. The three represents both the three steps that you take. The first step is working on relationship with food in your body. The second is understanding what nutritious eating is, what foods are more health promoting and what might be a little bit more health hazardous or foods that we don't avoid, but aren't foods we want in abundance in your diet. It also goes into portions so people can plan out their day a little bit better and understand, okay, I'll have this much of that and this much of that. Um, and then the, the third part is the behaviors and habits and how to get those eating habits off the ground and how to navigate when things come up like holidays and traveling and alcohol. And, um, and then there's 50 recipes in the back and it's, and it's a a plan. The way I built it is it's a plan 
that can help someone lose weight, but also can help with blood sugar stabilization and heart health and uh, someone who has even like PCOS that needs to be on. It's a lower glycemic anti-inflammatory plan, basically, is the way that it's constructed because I do believe that is one of the more health-promoting ways of eating and is a lot of people that struggle with weight can be led back to some sort of insulin thing, insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about carbs and insulin and I talk about why carbs are often demonized and why you don't need to avoid carbs. You can eat carbs. It's just focusing on certain carbs and making room for the other ones that you, you know, there's no foods off limits. So that is the, that is the, the, the premise of the book. And, um, hopefully it's supposed to help people just again, have a better relationship with food and find their, their healthiest, happiest way. And when you focus on healthy habits and behaviors, you will find your healthiest weight. That's the best way to do it. So, um, you can find it on most major retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. Um, it's on my website and my nutrition group. And when you buy it for me directly, I will sign it. So if you want my signature, (laughs) but I try to make it a little bit more personalized. So, um, but yeah, you can get it most major retailers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. And guys, as always, if you like this episode, please share it, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. That's how I continue to get great guests and we'll see you next week.